2: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: It's time for a look back
3: on today's match. This is the full time report with the voices of our Atlanta United, Mike Conti, and Jason Longshore. The home for MLS in Atlanta, Sports Radio 929, The Game.
0: Hey, look, you can't beat the atmosphere of the SEC, right? You can't beat them in it football. It just means more. It just means more. There are a lot of soccer fans here posing as SEC bros today. We've made a very noisy atmosphere here at Mercedes Benz Stadium and in front of. Uh, Jim Curtin, who I think will live to regret his uh, ill-informed comments about the Atlanta fan base. Atlanta United comes up with, I think, one of their best performances of the season, maybe the best, 2-0 win over Philadelphia Union to get their eighth win of the season. It's a deserved clean sheet for Guzan and this Atlanta United back line of Abram Parata uh, and Ronald Hernandez. Gonzalo Pineda makes a formation tweak we're not calling this a dramatic change we're calling it a tweak but the tweak worked his lineup selection worked and even on a day where Yorgos Yakimakis went out 30 minutes in with uh, an injury of some kind Atlanta United pulled through to get the two nil win yeah uh,
1: the way the the defense set up just to to cover that a little bit I'm sure we'll talk about it more and I'm sure Gonzalo Pineda will talk about it when we hear from him Ronald Hernandez was the right-sided center back with three center backs. We know Hernandez is typically a fullback. We're seeing this happen more often in the game now, where either center backs are used in non-traditional center back spots, John Stones with Manchester City playing in the holding midfield, or fullbacks playing as the center backs. We saw Andrew Goodman do this last season. Seen Ronald Hernandez do it today. Again, Manchester City, Kyle Walker would do that at times, play as a third center back where he can pop out and start an attack. And we didn't really see Hernandez do a ton of that. I think Brooks Lennon did a great job getting the 1v1s that he wanted with Nathan Harriel. Harriel did a decent job on him defensively, but Lennon got some good crosses in and gets the goal that puts the game away. Atlanta was able to deal with whatever Philadelphia threw at them, and they did change it up a little bit as the night went on. They played pretty direct, trying to get to that front three and let them figure it out. Atlanta handled that. I thought Luisa Bram and Juan Oparata, especially in some of those aerial duels, very, very good in those moments. Then when Philadelphia started trying to play Biso down the, the right side, Caleb Wiley had to drop deeper and defend that. And I thought he did a good job in those moments. Andrew Gutman came on to see it out. Atlanta adjusted to what Philadelphia tried to do to get back in the game. And that was the impressive part. I said in pregame, you needed to see a team that could win a game 1-0 because Atlanta United had not really shown that they could do that on a regular basis. One game doesn't tell you that entirely, but this was the kind of game you didn't even have to win at one-nil. You got a second goal, but this was that kind of a performance that this team desperately needed, not because of noise, but internally to have that confidence that, look, hey, if we don't score three goals, we can still get a win. And that's what you have to build on here. And if it takes playing a fullback as a center back, who sometimes pops out as a fullback, but sometimes stays home as a center back, if that's what gives you that extra security, you keep doing it.
0: Man of the match brought to you by Heineken. We have not discussed this, but I would imagine it's hard to deny Thiago Almada with a goal and an assist today.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some other great performances in the team. And I think, you know, we can, we can go the hipster picks and, you know, go with a Mercedes who was really, really good in this one. Go with Juan Oparata who was really, really good in this one. Brooks Lennon, also really, really good in this one. But a goal and an assist from Almada, he impacted the game on that end of the field in both goals that were scored. And that's what you've needed from him. Where I think at times we, we have this mentality that Tiago Almada's a robot and he's going to play a 10 out of 10 game every single game he's a human being and he has ups and downs and lately he's been a little more on the downside for him he hasn't been as impactful in the attacking third and in the attacking half today he was he picked his moments he was very good in those moments he also had defensive responsibility and he did a good job there philly didn't get those opportunities to play direct all that often tiago amada was part of it when he got the ball in the attacking third he scored, and he assisted, and he helped Atlanta win this match.
0: Tiago Almada, the man of the match, brought to you by Heineken. The statistical recap brought to you by Piedmont, official health care partner of Atlanta United. Shots were 14-14, but the shots on target were 7-1 Atlanta. And I think some of that has to do with the, a really good shot-blocking performance today by Louisa Brom and Juanjo Parate, and I'll even give him Amar It's a big one at the end of the first half from behind, uh, taking away a goal-scoring opportunity.
1: 14 blocks for Atlanta. They had been averaging a little less than seven. They were last in the league in blocks. When you take blocked shots, blocked passes, that was the number one explanation of the goals that Atlanta gives up, not making those kinds of plays. And it's rare that you're going to that kind of a stat. That's what it was. Atlanta United... Doubled their normal yeah. output in blocks today. Parata had four,
0: but it was across the board with blocks. No, very, very significant. Possession, 51-49 Philadelphia. Match date affected that. Second Philadelphia. Half,
1: absolutely. That was strategy by
0: Atlanta United. A lot of possession to Philadelphia in the second half. Key passes, 10-8 Atlanta, XG. Uh, 1.01 to 0.70 Atlanta. Statistical recap brought to you by Piedmont, official health care partner of Atlanta United. Also a clean sheet today for every Atlanta United clean sheet. Atlanta United donates $2,000 to Children's Health Care of Atlanta. With today's clean sheet, that's another $2,000 to Children's Health Care of Atlanta, bringing the donation total this year to $10,000. Just a note as we wait for... Um, our guest to uh, Machope Chol to come to the the microphone downstairs. Just little fun note today, Atlanta sports, mm-hmm. Braves won. Ronald Acuna had a big day, two for three, two stolen bases. The Atlanta Dream blew out the L.A. Sparks down in College Park. Ryan Howard had 43 points. Love and Atlanta it. United gets a big win here. Look at all three Atlanta superstars today. You saw like,
1: that Ryan Howard was wearing the Atlanta United kit I going did. to the game today.
0: I did see that. Awesome to see. So, Ryan time, Acuna and Almada, Atlanta superstars, all come up big today. Machope Chole downstairs in the Atlanta United dressing room joining us now on the full-time report. And, uh, you know, Machope up here in the booth, this feels like one of the biggest wins of the season, if not the biggest win, and certainly one of the best team performances of the year. Do you feel the same way?
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. The guys are down here enjoying themselves right now, but yeah, put in a big shift today, not just from one person, but as a group collectively, and I feel like we definitely deserve those points today. The clean sheet, allowing just one shot on target. Um, just proud of the guys.
1: <laughs> a little bit of an adjustment in the setup today. Not a major one, maybe a little bit more of a, a mentality shift, but. Your role was fascinating to me from the start, Macho I thought you were popping up in really good spots in the first half, sometimes inside, sometimes outside, sometimes deeper, sometimes the second forward. How were you reading those situations and exploiting it?
2: Uh, we just wanted to create 2v1s on the flank and to allow me and Brooks to go at the left back or left center back, whoever it was, and just be dynamic and just cause them problems in that kind of way.
1: Yeah, I thought you guys did that, absolutely. Now, you also had a lot of defensive responsibility to do, even though mm-hmm. you were in an attacking role. Mm-hmm. Against Philadelphia, they've always put teams under pressure. How do you feel like your team coped with that today?
2: No, I think we played brilliant today. Um, we didn't really allow them to connect passes through us. If they, Anything, they had to go around us to create any kind of chances. So I think we were brilliant in that, in that sense.
0: You know, Machov. one thing that stood out to me after giving up a goal off a throw at Red Bulls last Saturday, it just felt like every throw, every restart for Philadelphia today, you guys were really, really switched on immediately. Mm-hmm. Was that something that was a point of emphasis or discussion in the week leading up to this match?
2: I think that's just a point of emphasis every, every week, and today just finally we all just locked in and Everyone was on it from from the first whistle. So I'm just proud of the guys for that attentiveness.
0: Well, Machilpa, I know there's, you know, it's been a great season so far. There have been a couple areas that I know Gonzalo wants to see some improvement out of the team. And one Mm -hmm. of those areas is road form. And now you're going on a two-game road trip to Montreal and New England. What is it going to take Saturday night up in Montreal to start getting some better results and some wins on the road?
2: I think like tonight, just the collectiveness and everyone buying in and staying focused and sharp from you know, the first whistle. And then from there, I think the football will handle that part. And then if everyone is just bought in, We'll be able to get points on the road. Machope, you've already
0: scored in Canada once this year, so I'm <laughs> counting on you Saturday night, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I hope so, man. All right, Machope choll down in the Atlanta United dressing room. Machope, congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Great stuff, job. Have a good one. All right, Machope choll Atlanta United 2-0 winners over Philadelphia this afternoon. We'll take a break. Come back with the highlights after this on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Ain't this what they've been waiting for?
3: You ready? Uh, uh. I used to pray for times like this,
2: to rhyme like this. So I had to grind like that, to shine like this. Back on the full-time report, Sports Radio 92.9,
0: the game. In In Philadelphia, teams walk out to this song, Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Philadelphia Eagles walked out to it in the Super Bowl and lost. Philadelphia Phillies walked out to it in Game 5 of the World Series and got no hit. And today on the full-time report, the Philadelphia Union listened to Dreams and Nightmares on the going to the airport because they lost as well, 2-0. I hope
1: they're not that. listening to us on the way to the airport.
0: Boy, are they going to be salty about some of the things that we have been saying. But you know what? Look, uh, I think Jim Curtin uh, put the black hat on himself with his comments about uh, the atmosphere here being inauthentic and being a place where – SEC football fans want to come and party, which I think is completely inaccurate. Curtin tried to walk those comments back this week. Um, and, look, I have a lot of respect for Philadelphia and Jim Curtin. I'm waving to Dave Leno now, their, uh, their radio announcer. We love him. We love the union. But uh, Jim Curtin has put on the black hat. Now he's got to kind of own that a little bit, and uh, he's owning it in the losing form today. The coach that wore the white hat today, and I think the coach that completely outcoached Jim Curtin from a tactical standpoint is Gonzalo Pineda. Let's join his postgame press conference in progress. Uh, hang on, hang on. In a moment, as Atlanta United uh, defeated a little more Philadelphia this afternoon 2 0. Uh, it is Atlanta's eighth win of the year. They are eight. 5-8 and eight on 32 points. They've got a two-game road trip coming up, Montreal and New England. Atlanta, as we said with Machope Joel, they got to start finding a way to win road matches. They've only done that once this year. Uh, but I think one thing we saw today, Jason, is if Atlanta can just start to get something going on the road, the value of playing a playoff game at home mm-hmm. is immense. And if this game is being played up in Chester today as opposed to here in Atlanta, You know, who knows? It might have had a different outcome. Atlanta, clearly a much better team at home this year.
1: You're not asking for wins in every game on the road. You're trying to get points uh, on the road, and you need some of those to be wins. This is a team in Atlanta that has gotten results more often than not on the road. They've gotten wins or draws, most of them draws, more than they've lost on the road. But you've got to turn a few of those into wins. If you average two points per game and you average that consistently, you're going to be a top team in any league. Atlanta needs some points to get to that stage. It's a very crowded Eastern Conference table. Every point is going to come down to the wire. I feel like the East is so much stronger than the West this season. Every point will be critical to get home playoff games, and you need home playoff games in this league in the single-game knockout form.
0: Okay, do we want to try with Pineda? Let's try now. Uh, Gonzalo Pineda in progress downstairs.
3: Different players and this year at the beginning pre-season, and that out of the back four we were tweaking at times to back three with Andrew Guman as a center back, right? So I think the game model doesn't change so then making these little tweaks is easier when we're playing the same style and it's just a little adjustment. Um, But I think the credit is always to the players because Uh, we can have the master plan here but if they don't have the determination, the commitment, the hard work, the intelligence to play the game model and adjust at times things that we didn't review in the film or in the training session and they do better, they, they understand the situation and and play the right pass, or or do the right run, or or, or just, just just the decision making is good. I think it's all on the players. So it was a great performance. I just told them that, individually and collectively, it was fantastic. I cannot think of one player that didn't have an outstanding game. I think everyone had an outstanding game. And that's what we need. That's the standard.
2: Gonzalo, how do you carry the, up at the, start
0: of the t- OK, a little bit of cross-talk there. Uh, we'll, we'll hope to go back to Pineda a little bit later on if we can. Um, just your thoughts in general before we go to the highlights, Jason. We, we talked about it at the top of the show, the, uh, the formation tweak that Pineda made today, going to three in the back. Uh, it's not this five-four-one 4 one that was very defensive-oriented and, and failed to produce a goal and was, was just basically smothering. Uh, it was a formation that was very effective in this match against Philadelphia today, and quite honestly now, um, I have to suspect that this is a look that Pineda is going to go with now for the next couple of matches. I think it opens the door to it.
1: And, and look, like he said, it's a tweak. It, it's not a dramatic shift. It's not being overly defensive. What does it do? Let's... Let's go deep into X's and O's on this for a second. Visualize this with me. So Atlanta's played a 4-3-3. In that 4-3-3, the fullbacks have generally pushed very, very high, often both of them at the same time. That's left you a little exposed. Two center backs holding midfielder, sometimes the second holding midfielder, dropping deep, depending on the situation in the game, defending with three or four. We've seen Atlanta in build up moments use that extra center back. A lot of times it was Andrew Gutman early on, tucking inside and being a third center back in possession in those moments to help build up the play. Well, what this does is it just gives you that extra little level of security. Your wing backs are now what your fullbacks used to be, they're higher up the field. They were high up the field anyway. Nothing really changes with that. Instead of having wingers in front of them, they have more space. Cho, like you talked about, you're trying to create the 2v1s. Machope, instead of being a winger playing wide and Lennon having to overlap all day, Machope was inside. So he's able to find the 1-2s with Lennon to play him down the line. That works really well. You can have a box midfield to deal with a four-man midfield like Philadelphia put out today. It generally was a 4-4-2 diamond. You had numbers, you had the advantage there. You had numbers with three center backs against their two forwards. You have an extra level of security without changing the way you play. That's the number one key. You have to always remember because it is so easy when we're talking from a little kid's perspective or a video game perspective, you change the formation and everything changes. That's not how it plays out. Like Gonzalo said, the players are the ones who make the game. You want to put the right group of players together, give them the right instructions. They have to execute, and they did in this. Ronald Hernandez played inside a little bit more than he typically has. It made it easy for him in those moments, and he was very good in those moments. You don't play differently. He has to defend all the time as a right back. He has to defend 1v1 situations. He didn't have to do anything differently. He just did it in a little bit different part of the field. We saw him push up high. We saw him get forward when he could. It's not a dramatic change. And I think it's just something that formation gets. It's such a hang-up at times when we talk about how teams play. It's really minimal. In a game like this one against Philadelphia where their strength is the spine, two center backs who are among the best in the league, a defensive midfielder who's in the All-Star game, a number 10 in Gazdag who scores and assists, and two forwards who had 16 goals between them and are physical. That's six players in the middle. What did Atlanta do in terms of dealing with that? You had Machop Chol, you had Tiago Almada, you had Franco Ibarra, you had Amar Sadich, and you had Ronald Hernandez tucking inside with Juan Oparata and Luis Abram. You didn't play in a defensive manner, but you had covered defensively to deal with anything that Philadelphia could throw at you with the extra body there. And it worked. And it's credit to Hernandez. It's credit to Abram, who I thought was very good today. Credit to Sadich and Ibarra in the midfield. Atlanta did the job. And the formation change... It's not that big of a deal. It's about the performances.
0: One other note from the Gonzalo Pineda press conference. I know a lot of you are wondering, Yorgos Yakimakis, it is indeed a hamstring injury as confirmed by Pineda afterwards, and he's going to get scans, uh, which is routine procedure uh, in an instance like this. So we'll just cross our fingers. It's not the first time that uh, Yakko has been sent for scans on his hamstring. Uh, he did seem, to the extent that he emotes pretty disturbed uh when he went down non-contact I hope that uh, it's
1: frustration because he's had an injury before and not a reaction to the possible severity of the injury I, I hope it is a frustration reaction because he was very distraught
0: all right let's go to the highlights of the match today the two goals uh coming in the seventh and 79th minute now the first goal an unusual sequence. In the fourth minute, Yakymakis is played over the top. He is pulled down from behind by uh, Nathan Harriel right at the edge of the 18. Ted Uncle kind of hesitated, hesitated, and then softly pointed to the penalty spot. But the VAR Kevin Stott got involved, recommended a review at the monitor, and it took Ted Uncle about 10 seconds to see on the monitor that the uh, incident occurred outside the 18-yard box. What you're looking for in that moment, to be clear, is it continued
1: on into the 18, and and Uncle makes the call. It's going to get checked either way. If he calls it outside, it's going to get looked at. If he calls it the penalty, it's going to get looked at. You have to make the decision of your Ted Uncle, where did the foul occur? Physical contact can happen without a foul being called. It looked like from where he spotted it that he called on the initial grab that slowed Yakamaki's up. I think he, he came through with his leg and tripped him in the 18. But Uncle, coming from the opposite side of the field from where the grab was, I don't think he could see the severity of the grab until he saw it on the monitor. I think he got it right.
0: Yeah, we also had a question as to why it wasn't dog so And Joe Bendick, the uh, goalkeeper, was in position. Uh, well, if- it's not that so much for me because, I mean – it's 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 an
1: obvious goal-scoring opportunity, not an obvious goal. But the ball's not brought down because of it. So I, it's not – you don't know how he's going to control that. It was floated. I didn't think it was an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. I think it could have been one.
0: But the defender's position, Bendik, would not have – No, no, not
1: the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper okay. is – it's not it's – not, again, not an obvious goal. It's an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, which is a shot. I don't think that's an obvious shot because it's still difficult that he's got to bring it down. It's a foul that Harriel overreacted, probably shouldn't have committed it because even if it's not a penalty, you set up something like what happened.
0: Yeah, and again, as we kind of joked about during the game broadcast, Tiago Almada was going to the penalty spot before the review took place. He's only one for two on penalties this year. Uh, It feels like his conversion rate on free kicks might be above 50% this year. I'm not exactly sure about that, but here was – The free kick sequence that produced the Almada goal and the 1-0 lead. Hands on hips to Almada. Looks at the ball. Looks towards the net. Back at the ball. Up to it. Strikes it. Going for goal. Off the wall. Back to Almada. Another shot. SCORE! Atlanta United's free kick magician. Almost as if it was planned. Takes the rebound off the wall and slams it past Bendick. Atlanta leads 1-0.
1: Sorry, a lot of explanation in, in the setup to that, and it doesn't take away from what Tiago Almada did. Philadelphia, I think they were trying to draft in people from out of town to be in the <laughs> wall. They might have checked IDs. I don't know, but they had it looked like 10 players in the wall and maybe one extra laying behind it. They might have snuck somebody on the field. But what that does is Almada puts it off the wall, and there's no one there to come out to win the ball. The wall tries to react. They try to close down the space. Almada just hits the half volley, and Joe Bendik doesn't even see it, and it's in the back of the net.
0: I said almost as if it was planned – is it possible, Almada, plan to knock no, it off the wall and get no, a rebound? No,
1: no, no, no. He, he's he's he got some swagger. But Not that much. You don't know exactly how it's going to bounce
0: off of the wall. Could come off of somebody's knee. Could come off of somebody's nose, their ear. Who knows? No, that's true. That was also the hot play of the match brought to you by Scana. For over 20 years, Scana Energy has made it easy for Georgians to receive the best natural gas rates and excellent customer service. Call 877-467-2262 to sign up today. Now, I kept saying during the second half, I feel really good if Atlanta could get a second goal. Felt like they were controlling the match, but a couple times this year, we've seen Atlanta United get burned late by a goal out of nowhere to cost them points. It does not happen today. In fact, the reverse happens in the 79th minute when Brooks Lennon slams the door with this, the second goal of the match. Wiley, beautiful pitch. Up ahead, Almada, 2v1 with Wiley coming down the left wing. Almada to the top of the 18, threaded through to Wiley, edge of the 6, backheeled. To Barry, Barry digs it away, passes up top. Here's Almada ahead to Lennon outside the six. Shot, score! And Atlanta United has the critical second goal with 10 minutes to play, coming from Brooks Lennon.
1: I always remember when the Hawks were at their best. Uh, our, our buddy Steve Holman would always get excited when they went up by 10. That was like the magic number because they had a great record when they had a 10-point lead in a game. Well, Atlanta United, when they've scored two goals at home, now 54-1-11. and Two goals at home is a very magic number for Atlanta United. What was the
0: one? Do you remember?
1: Minnesota United 2017. Oh, yeah. Do not get me started talking <laughs> about that game. <laughs>
0: That's ancient history now. Uh, Anyhow, Atlanta United holds on from there to win 2-0. We'll be back with your questions and comments on Twitter after this. Send them in at Conti 929 and at Longshoe. More in a moment on the full-time report. Atlanta United 2-0 winners over Philadelphia on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. reports. Sports Radio 92.9 the game. Atlanta United 2-0 winners over Philadelphia Union this afternoon in front of 43,000 SEC fans looking for a place to party at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Words that I think philadelphia coach jim kurtner will live to regret for a very long time chick-fil-a is committed to helping fight food insecurity and is proud to partner with atlanta united and soldiers angels to help tackle veteran hunger all season long when an atlanta united player successfully makes a tackle chick-fil-a restaurants in atlanta will donate 100 pounds of food to feed a military or veteran family in need for a month for more information and to see how you can help visit atlutd.com backslash community jason who fed the most Military or veteran families in need. Today. And, and of course, I closed that out right before. It was Caleb Utah's Wiley teaming. in the first half. He Wiley was two two. added
1: more in the second half. He was very good in those situations. Successful tackles, thirteen for Atlanta United today. Wiley had three. Sadich had two. Ebodra had two. Look at that midfield. um But here's the thing, like. That midfield and in the wing back, Wiley, Parata had one. You don't want your center backs making a bunch of tackles. Didn't have to today. Almada had a successful tackle. Chole had a successful tackle. And then this is the part that I really like Wolf, Alonzo, and Gutman all off the
0: bench with successful tackles. In short time. I love that, too. So, Atlanta United. Uh, As Jason told you, doubling their season average in blocks today, a big, big stat because Philadelphia only had one shot that made it through to Brad Guzan today, but they had a lot of total shots, uh, 15 as a matter of fact. Uh, Opta just gave them another one, but only one got through to the target. (laughs) They got another one? Yeah, Opta also has now given a secondary assist on the Lennon goal to Miguel Berry, okay, which I, I, like I think is point. absolutely the right call. That's his first assist of the year. All right, let's get to your questions and comments on Twitter, at Mike Conti, 929 and at Longshoe. Nick says, credit to the man of the match, Gonzalo Pineda, for outcoaching Jim Curtin and setting the team up for the best win of the year. As Trey Young would say, the apology should be as loud as the disrespect.
1: Yeah, it absolutely should, and I, I hope that catches up because it feels like that hasn't. And here's the thing that I wanted to say when we talk about the, the formation and how it's a tweak, it's not this dramatic change, it's not that. And the reason I say that is because the way Atlanta United has played this season, the things that you can control as a manager, you can control the club's philosophy in the way that they play. You can control, obviously, player selection. You can control individual tactics game-to-game, things you want to exploit, things you want to protect that the other team can hurt you with. The players have to execute, but the game plan is what you work on during the weekend training, getting the team prepared, getting the team to fight. None of that has changed. I, I think there's been this conversation about Gonzalo Pineda that has been thoroughly unfair. When you look at the way this team has conceded goals, it's not a tactical thing. It is absolutely not a tactical thing in general. It has been player mistakes, switching off in moments, set pieces that have turned dangerous, not dangerous set pieces, non-dangerous set pieces that have turned dangerous, deflections, not getting that block, not making that play in the defensive third. That has nothing to do with what Pineda is doing to set the team up to do. Players have to execute. The players executed today a little tweak to take advantage of something that Philadelphia does, getting Wiley and Lennon in higher positions, giving them more freedom to go and attack the outside spaces. It's like we talked about on on the pregame show. You wanted to win those battles, you did. You created the setup for that to happen. You also protected against something that Philadelphia can do to hurt you. You got an extra body centrally. 7v6 in the middle of the pitch. You handled that. The players executed – But making those tweaks and making changes from the bench and those kinds of things, look, I'm
0: sorry. That's been happening all year long. We got to stop putting blinders on about it. Uh, Cody Thomas says great win, but then also points out he felt Scholl just didn't have it, and that's okay. He'll bounce back. But – He felt, Cody, that Scholl did not have it the entire match except for one solid run, so why wait the full 60 minutes to take him out? Well, one, you don't want to burn subs. You you don't just burn subs, and you don't want to burn a sub in the
1: first half. You know, you got to remember that these players are human beings. You get subbed in the first half, that's hard to bounce back from. That is a very public statement of, you're not doing what we said you were going to do when we walked in the door here. You need to go sit down. You don't do that to a player unless you absolutely have to or it is a playoff game and you have to. Those kind of fixes. So that's one. I think at, at halftime in that kind of situation, you have the conversation to say, hey, I, I need I need more out of you in the first 15 minutes of the second half. And he didn't play well in the first 15 minutes. I think one pl- one run is all he had. I don't think that's fair. I think he did a lot, not just on the ball, but off the ball. His movement off the ball created space for others i thought he understand the assignment in terms of the the positioning thought he read the game very well he worked hard defensively wasn't good enough on the ball and and right now it's an open competition between him and tyler wolf for that spot if they stay in this kind of a shape or if they go back to a 4-3-3 and he's on the wing it's an open competition and neither one has done enough to completely lock the position down right now
0: shiva wants to know if this formation
1: sticks again formation we're going to get stuck on formation i already But know it's three, coming.
0: three in the back i mean i, I think that is kind fair of question kind of
1: i mean sure it's going to it's going to work against some teams it's going to also be limiting against some teams where they don't have two forwards and then you've got to turn it from being purely three center backs to like we said more of two and a half sometimes two where if it's hernandez he's got to get forward in those moments if there's only one forward to deal with you don't want three defending one. That doesn't make any sense. That's sacrificing a potential attacker. So I already know that's going to be the conversation all week. That's completely cool about formation fixed everything. But it's not. That's not what happened today. Ronald Hernandez was outstanding defensively. Luis Abram, outstanding defensively. Juan the best game in an Atlanta United shirt. On the defensive side, and the hat trick against Toronto is pretty, pretty special. But defensively, those three –
0: all outstanding. Now, Montreal, to be fair, played a 3-5-2 last night with Toy and Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, no, you can do it. But, it's again, it's not
1: just purely static. And that's right. the thing that I don't know how else to explain. The formation is important when they kick off and where they're standing. Beyond that, you've got to be fluid. And we saw that from Ronald Hernandez today. He tucked in when he needed to tuck in. But he also opened up wider when he needed to. And I thought, just like I said about Chole reading the moments and finding that space, I thought Hernandez did a really good job of that. Totally agree. And that's what he'll have to do in that role because he can't purely just stand as a center back if there's no work for him to do there.
0: No, totally agree with that. But let me – Try to maybe advance Shiva's question a little bit. Toss formation for a second. We know Abara will be suspended, mm-hmm. Other, and we know Yakymakis is hurt, we would assume so he'd be out for Saturday. Let's yet. assume, but let's assume it's like for like Barry or even Lopez. Lopez might be in the mix this coming Saturday. Yep. But you take those two out, the remaining nine. Do you stick with this personnel grouping until at least Miles Robinson returns as you see it right now? Like, yes. for example, yes. does Andrew Goodman get back in? No, for- Ronald Hernandez starts.
1: Okay, Like, that's that's a must for me and what we saw from him. Does Luis-
0: Joel get back in?
1: That I don't know. And that's going to be an open competition this week, I think. And I think you're going to have a couple of, of – comp- you'll have three competitions. And I think the the hardest one for the – incumbent to lose his spot will be Barry and Lopez because I just don't know if Eric Lopez is going to be healthy enough to, to get deep into the game coming back from a high ankle sprain. Barry should be the starter there. Chole and Wolf are going to battle it out to start and, and I think Sosa and Alonso are going to battle it out at central midfield because I think both are probably about the same fitness level to replace Ibarra because Sosa's been injured. Alonso still building the fitness I think that's a tough decision. So you're going to have a really competitive week of training in those three positions as to who starts. I think that is more, uh, it's not about the the formation today that directs that. It's about the performance. And it's about Cholden do enough to lock down a second start in a row. Wolf can earn that spot this week. Ibarra, you have to replace him. It's going to be either Sosa or Alonso, you would assume. Josechu, will have something to say about that as well, but I think it's Sosa or Alonso as the six. And up top, I mean, Eric Lopez, the door's open. He's just – I don't know if he's going to be
0: fit enough to really knock it down. That's a huge question. I mean, he's been training for a while now. So but- good with
1: Atlanta United 2 to start the season. Eric Lopez showed things that we had not seen from Eric Lopez yet. He had two goals and two assists in the first four when Atlanta United 2 was not hitting on all cylinders yet. I'd love to see him get a couple more games under his belt before you get him a start here. He needs to get that sharpness back.
0: One more from Abby, uh, and I barely remembered this play, but uh, she's talking about the the yellow card foul to Uwa in the sixty-fifth minute. She believes, and I want to clarify again, we did not get replays in our booth today, yeah. so uh, we're we're maybe flying a little bit blind. But Abby wants to know, it felt like Uwa. Pulled down Lennon the, by the back of his jersey neck like a horse collar. Could he be fined for endangering a player? Because to Abby, it looked like he really yanked him down and choked him by pulling on the back of his jersey. I'd
1: have to see it again. Um, I can't honestly think of any fines for a situation similar to that. Generally, been the other way where the fines are, are more from a simulation perspective it, or it, from a red card, yeah, obvious
0: it, one. It's really, really hard to get the disciplinary committee to act on something yeah. unless Uncle made a note of it somehow and, and referred it, or the fourth uh, saw
1: it, or the VAR saw it in a different way, or, or whatever. I I can't imagine there would have been anything in the flow of the game. It didn't jump off the page to me. The replay could show otherwise. I just don't think that typically gets that kind of an additional penalty after the fact.
0: One other thing, by the way, fines in major league soccer, not really that high. It's not Not that big of a deal. T- not really the most punitive in the world. A little bit I mean, more of the slap on the wrist. Yeah, just just a point. I, I did not see a huge Atlanta argument no. for anything more than the yellow. I think that might... It uh, had to be uh, a yellow. Yeah, yeah, but but I didn't really see a plea for a red or anything like that. So that might come into play as well. Okay, good questions. Thank you very much for that. We will come back and we'll look ahead to Saturday. Jason and I with one of our favorite road trips of the year. We're going up to Montreal for Atlanta United and club to foot. So Atlanta United tries to... Get something now on the road and keep this momentum going. We'll have that and wrap up the full-time report after this as Atlanta United defeats Philadelphia Union this afternoon. 2-0 on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Well, that is Atlanta resident Elton John, Philadelphia Freedom, as we come back on the full-time report on Sports Radio 92.9. The game, too often over the last couple of years, we have walked out of Subaru Park or Pico Energy Park or whatever it's been called uh, with that song blaring in the background because that's what they play. Uh, they play dupe after goals and Philadelphia Freedom after wins. And, look, the union have been very successful in their home park, especially against Atlanta United, but today – Atlanta United who came so close to beating Philadelphia here last year. Came really, really close to beating them here in 2021 league play and also outplayed them in Champions League uh, in 2021 uh, here at Mercedes Benz Stadium, but lost that match. Today they get a 2 0 win, a, a great performance over Philadelphia. Now. Landing 9 has got to figure out this um, this road thing because it, it's been tough for them this year. They've got a lot of draws on the road, but they haven't won a road match since early March in Charlotte. They're going to play a Montreal team Saturday night coming off a 1-0 loss to New York City. I don't know if you're going to really want to read a whole lot into that match. It was weird. There was a long lightning delay. Um, I don't know how much you can really pull out of that. I do know, however, Jason, that uh stod saputo has been for whatever reason one of the trickier places to play for atlanta united in fact i believe they have not won there since 2018
1: oh man we're gonna keep doing this for a while
0: i can see with these kind of things they've only played there three times since and one of them was a draw (laughs) uh, under rob valentino in 2020 well actually no we played there twice in 21 excuse me so uh, four times got the double up there that year look it's
1: you gotta, you got to build on this, and that's, that's what Atlanta United needs to do at this stage of the season, not just have a good performance in isolation. They've had good performances and not gotten results this season. You need to have a string of good performances. You can control the performance portion of it. The result, look, sometimes you don't. It happens, but you can control the quality of the performance, the quality of the work, and I thought today was very high. You've got to do that in Montreal, a team that under Hernan Losada, has elements of what we've seen from Red Bulls and Philadelphia, but they come from more of the Marcelo Bielsa school under Losada. Losada, big Bielsa fan, follower of his style of play. The press is very intense, but they want the ball. This is, Montreal will not be a team that will just concede possession. They want the ball. Their press is to get the ball back but they will be disruptive with that press. They'll also leave some spaces. And Atlanta has to be brave on the ball like they were today and pick those spots to be a little direct at times. And whatever the lineup is, you have to be strong in those moments where you're going to get pressed. You know you're going to get pressed. You know you're going to get closed down quickly. You've got to make your decision quickly and then live with it and fight to either keep moving forward – or to win the ball back if it turns over in that moment.
0: We'll be on the air Saturday night, 7 o'clock, from Stad Saputo, in Montreal. understand a lot of you listening to us will be going to that match, and that is uh, a great decision. It is one of the best road trips in this league, one of Jason and I's favorite stadiums. So we'll look for you up there. 7 o'clock, the pre-match show on Saturday. 7.30 will be the kickoff, Atlanta United. Montreal for the first of two meetings this season. Producers today, Dom Shirosky and Abe Gordon, Engineer Miller-Pope for Jason Longshore and Mike Conti. Final score again, Atlanta United defeating Philadelphia Union 2-0. We'll see you Saturday night here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. You've been listening to the Full-Time Report, a complete wrap-up of today's Atlanta United game.
3: Tune in for complete match day coverage all season long. The home for our Atlanta United is Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon
1: when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.